right, so uh, we have been doing biblical relationships for quite some time, and now we are at the point where we have been talking about dating and what the Bible says about dating. And uh, let's see, it would have been two Wednesdays ago, I believe it was, we were talking about how to get yourself spiritually ready for dating. And so before we get into some review of that, just to hit up some other review, this has been our picture we've looked at almost every single week. In a nutshell, real quick, somebody give me a summary. What is this? All right, you guys tied. So, number one through ten. One. Seven. Three. It was two. Doggone it. <laughs> I can't do this. All right. Two. Oh, yeah. yeah. Paper, rock, paper, scissors. There you go. <laughs> Come on, people. Okay, Jack, give me the summary. Um... So that guy over there on the left is you. That's me? Yeah, that's you. Okay. <laughs> I thought it looked like you, but... you lost weight, a question mark could be anybody. Yeah, that's God. God's a chair. Okay, Noah... <laughs> Help him out a little bit. Okay, so, right. trying to pursue the relationship with the question mark, you should also be pursuing your relationship with God, obviously. And if both question mark and Jack are pursuing God, then they will be clo- getting closer together while also getting closer to God. Right. But if only one person, either question mark or Jack, is pursuing God, then and the other one is going away, you are either going to get dragged down by that other person, or yeah. your relationship with them is going to be farther and farther apart. Right, right. Or if they both walk with God, then the relationship is stronger. Be- yeah, sure you did. Yeah, in Jack language. That's part of the problem. Okay, so, so yeah, so in, in summary, like what they were just talking about, so we, we, we spent some quite a bit of time talking about that your very first relationship, the most important relationship, is your relationship with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it is very difficult, and dare I say, impossible... To have good relationships with other people. Because who created you? According to the scriptures, God did. Who created other people? God did. All right. So if you and God are not on the same page, if you're not on the same page with your creator, how can you have good relationships with other people? It's not possible. So once you and God are close and you are able to get God's perspective, you're able to make much better decisions across the board when it comes to relationships. So we use that as our model. So sorry if it was made confusing by some certain people. All right. Then we were talking about this one. Now, this one is the mind blower because a lot of people have a hard time really understanding this one. But I know it's complicated. I may have to explain it 15 different ways. But you forgot Jack's added on Where's the friend zone? Yeah. You know where the friend zone's at? It's right here. It's right here. It's right in the trash can. That's where it's at. That's the friend zone. All right. So, there's a reason why I didn't put that on there. See, this is why Jack doesn't write my material. Okay. So, dating, believe it or not, eventually leads to, if all goes well, engagement. And engagement leads to marriage. I know, I know. It's, it's, it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary. But the reason why we have to say that is for what reason? Tell me. Tell me, why do we have to define that? Because lots of people just date to date. Right. For their own pleasure. They just date someone because of how that person makes them feel. Or they date someone because of maybe some sort of social status. Or maybe they've just been missing something in even their parental relationship at home. And they find fulfillment in a dating relationship with that other person that they should be getting from their parents. 
I mean, there's lots of reasons why people just date to date. And the reality is, is that's not how God has set this thing up. If you choose to be exclusive with someone, that is a huge emotional investment into that person. And so you better be wise about that investment. Because if any of you have been on the other side of a bad breakup, which I have been, or if your heart has been broken because maybe you tried to pursue someone and it didn't really work out, and your heart gets broken out of it, it's very expensive. And you start carrying around some baggage that, frankly, you could be carrying around for the rest of your life that could affect future relationships because of your past mistakes and not doing it God's way. And so we need to learn, number one, if you've never been in that situation before, how to make good decisions. Number two, if you have been in that situation before, what do you do about it? How do you actually turn this around, actually have godly dating relationships? It is possible, but it's something that requires us to change the way that we think. And so this leads us to this picture. And we're talking about the triangles right now. And we explained how the world's way is always opposite of God's way. That is a biblical pattern that will be true to the end of time. That the world's way is always opposite of God's way because the God of this world is the devil who is the enemy of God. And his way and his system is always in opposition to God's way. So when you look at dating relationships and relationships that lead to engagement into marriage, here's how the world looks at it. The very first thing to look at is the physical. That is always how it works out first. They are attracted physically first. And then after that, then you kind of get to know the person on an emotional level. Your likes and your dislikes. And we're going to spend more time talking about that emotional part of, of relationships tonight. And then eventually, if people ever get around to it, because it's really not all that important anyway, they eventually talk about the spiritual. And what they don't realize is that the spiritual is the most important. It is the part of you that will last forever. Your emotional state changes. Are you the same as what you were when you were two years old? Some of you. Jack. <laughs> if you're still wearing diapers, there's a problem. Okay. And again, personal problems stay personal. Okay. So you have changed as an individual. In your short few years of life so far on this planet, you have changed. The things that you liked five years ago are not necessarily the things that you like now. The things that you're pursuing and that you're interested in now are not the same things that they were a while ago. And those same things in the future about who you will become will be different than who you are now. It's just a fact of life. And then talking about the physical, have you changed physically since you've been a baby? You bet. And that will also change. You will change in your appearance. You'll change in, when it comes to your overall health. Some of you are going to have early major health issues. Woo. <laughs> yes, like Noah. Yes. He's got them diabetes. Carefully, he's contagious. All right. So, but, but in all reality, people that are looking and they're interested and they're dating people just based upon appearance alone or appearance first, they're in for a rude awakening because that part of you is not going to last. There's going to come a day where you still might be cute in your old age, but you're going to be ugly. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know how buttons can be cute, but all right. Okay, so if we flip this around and we want to do this God's way, then here's how we got to look at it. The most important thing has got to be your spiritual side. If you do not have things in common spiritually with that other person, if you are not lockstep with them, that you are walking in the same accord, spiritually speaking, with that other individual, it is only a matter of time before your relationship is over. The odds are incredibly against you. Now, there are some people that are lost that live and have long, happy marriages with each other. It, it, it is possible. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying the odds are against you. Because marriage is already hard enough as it is. 
and then you put two lost people together who are very selfish and self-centered, it's very difficult to have a very fruitful relationship with them. So two people that are born again, walking with God, in step with God, together with God, and that have such a relationship with God that when they do wrong, that they are quick to repent, they're quick to apologize, they're quick to make things right, they're quick to be humble and submissive to the Lord, they have the best possible potential to have a marriage that will glorify God for the rest of their lives. They do, because they're doing it God's way. Remember, marriage was designed by God. He's the one that put it together, and he put it together on purpose. So if you pursue marriage without God, well, then you're in for a rude awakening. And then the emotional. So once you are on the same page on a spiritual level, then you can get into, okay, what are some of the likes and dislikes? Do we have things in common, personality traits, personality conflicts, whatever it might be. And that's what we'll talk about tonight again. And then lastly, it is the physical. And that's why the Bible talks about that the marriage bed is for the husband and the wife alone. Premarital sex is completely out of the question. And sexual, uh, just anything sexual with someone else is completely out of the question. It is reserved for the bonds of marriage. God designed it that way. He did. And he did it that way on purpose. And if you don't believe me, well, then go your own way and figure it out. And you'll find out that's not what God intended. And we have plenty of people that could give you some great testimonies of some of the things they've learned from their mistakes when it comes to that aspect. And we're going to talk about the physical part next Wednesday. So that should be fun to talk about. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the emotional. So how can you prepare yourself, biblically speaking, to be emotionally ready? Last, the last time we talked about this, we talked about you know, what, what, you can, what you can do to be spiritually ready. And we talked about several things, just as kind of a quick review of, are you in the center of God's will? Are you walking with God spiritually? Are you right where he wants you to be? Are you actively involved in the work of the Lord? Do you, are you someone that, when you have opportunity, that you do share your faith and you're not ashamed of Jesus Christ? Are you involved with discipleship? Is there someone that's discipling you and trying to help you grow in your walk with God? And then, thirdly, we talked about, are you faithful in the little things? Because if you're not faithful in the little things, what makes you think God is going to entrust to someone very, very precious to him, to you? Like, if you can't be trusted to do basic stuff like, I don't know, be faithful with your homework, be faithful with your chores at home, be faithful with taking care of the things that you own, and be faithful even with solving conflicts in your own relationships with your friends. What makes you think you're actually going to do well in a dating relationship? Because the odds are so much more. I mean, the cost is so much greater because you're responsible for that other person. All right, and so then we're, we moved on and talked about how are you attracted to someone that also does those same things. And so now we're going to be talking about the emotional side of things. Okay, now with the emotional side of things, um, let's read this paragraph and then we'll get into it. Okay, so emotional. The emotional part of a person is referring to what kind of a person they are like. It can be surface level things like their interests and annoyances or deeper things like their character, values, and overall personality. These characteristics are likely to change over time, especially as the spiritual part of a person grows and matures. The best way one can mature in this area of life is by learning to let the truth rather than emotions lead the decision-making process. And then we're going to talk about these questions, but I want to take a look at these, these verses because here's how I look at it. I got this picture here. So people that are highly emotional, you'll identify with this. People that are highly emotional, which, which wavelength do you typically line up with? A W. Because on one hand, you're like, man, things are awesome. But then one bad thing happens and then you crash and burn. But then it's very quick for you to come back up and you can be very excited about something. But then you get some bad news again and then you crash and burn. And so the thing about it with emotional people, and I can tend to be emotional, 
Um, but when it comes to emotional people, man, you are all over the board. All over the board. Like, you have no idea which person you're going to be talking to at any given point in time during the week or even during the day. And as you grow in your walk with God, we talked about how your emotional part of you will change over time, especially as you grow spiritually. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Because us as human beings, I refer to us kind of like kites. And so I have this picture. I was thinking about this. So this kite here, which you can't even see because it doesn't show up on the TV, this kite right here, um, that's like you and I. And the guy who's surfing is the one who's keeping it intact. But if he were to let go, what's going to happen to that kite? It's going to go. And then it's going to go into the water and then it's going to be gone. And it's not going to be able to serve its purpose. So in order for that kite to be able to serve its purpose, it has to have something on the other end holding it secure. And you have to have that in your life. We were created as emotional beings, some more than others. And you have to have something that's going to hold you steady in the midst of all the nonsense of life. You have to. And if you don't, then you're going to be all over the board. And you're going to be an absolute mess. And our anchor has always supposed to be God. It's always been God. Always. You were designed to have an anchor, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's supposed to be your anchor. And his word is supposed to be the thing that holds you steadfast when the winds start blowing. Because if you start trusting in your emotions, and how many of you have done this? You start trusting in your emotions, and you start talking to other people based on your emotions, and not necessarily the facts. What ends up happening? Very quickly. What happens? You want to put that into words? Bad things. Drama. Friendships that have lasted for years can be destroyed in a matter of moments because of emotional decisions and words that are spoken and can't be taken back. Right? Actions based on your emotions are never trustworthy. Ever. 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 And so even when it comes to people that you are interested in dating, this is a key takeaway. Just because you have some butterfly feelings on the inside doesn't mean it's the right decision. Right? right? So you need to think about this kind of stuff. It's not about your emotions. If you make decisions based upon your emotions, you know what God says in the book of Proverbs? He that trusteth in his own heart, the seed of your emotions, is a fool. Oh. Is what? <laughs> Dumb? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's... Yeah, maybe in the message translation it would say that. But he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. So if you begin to make decisions based upon your own heart and your own emotions, you are going to make foolish decisions. And if you just be honest about your past and who you are bringing you up to this point, and if you were honest about that, you'd find out that that is absolutely true. And that is also my testimony. So even looking back at this picture, as you grow in your walk with God and he becomes your anchor and you allow God's thoughts to hold you steady when you are all over the board emotionally, then you can turn that blue into red and you can have much more of a balanced life. Now, things are still going to happen. You're still going to have your ups and you're still going to have your downs. But the difference is, is that God is a part of your decision making and you have a relationship with God and you have someone that you can go to at any point in time to talk to about your situation, about other people's situations, about decisions that you need to make. You have what's called the mind of Christ, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is called the mind of Christ that you can open up and you can read what God has to say about everything that life can throw at you. And then you can choose to believe what God has said over what you say inside. And when you do that, you will actually find great stability. Great stability. 
that will help you make your decisions. And then because you're letting God help you make your decisions, now you can make much more confident decisions because your decisions are not just based upon you and your feelings and your circumstances and your situation, but they're based upon all of that plus the rock that is called God and his word that will hold you steady. So when you take those things into account, you really can never go wrong with your decisions. If you're bringing God in on your decision-making, especially the big ones, you can really never go wrong. And so that's why we need to talk about God being our rock and working through some of this stuff. And so I figured this would probably be one of the best verses, that the Lord is my rock, Psalm 18, 18, 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. When you cling to God like that, then he makes everything else, everything else clear, everything else clear. So in light of all that, let's ask ourselves these questions. So how can I be prepared emotionally as you're pursuing your relationship with God, you're pursuing the Lord. How can you be ready emotionally to be responsible in a dating relationship? All right, well, first of all, am I a diligent servant? Am I a diligent servant? Are you someone that people can count on? Are you a hard worker? Are you faithful? Are you trustworthy? Are you responsible? Someone that are all that, that, that is them, that, that defines who they are and their character, they are very trustworthy. Someone who is not a hard worker, someone who is unfaithful, someone who cannot be trusted, someone who is irresponsible, I would not want them to do anything for me. And I'm just a human. Think about it from God's perspective. Why would God want to put someone in your life that you're responsible for when you are not a hard worker, when you are not faithful, when you're not trustworthy, when you are not responsible? You've got to learn how to take care of your own stuff first because this is what people tend to do. That'll work out. Okay, hold on a second. You take one mess and then you take another mess and then you put them together and you think it's going to be good? Yeah. And yet that's the theory of evolution. So, this is a side note. I mean, come on. Think about it for a second. You can't take chaos and turn it into order. It doesn't happen. And if you doubt that, just look at science and the second law of thermodynamics. Things wind down. They don't wind up. Things are continually getting worse. Things degenerate over time. They never get better. The only way things get better is when God is in the picture and you do things God's way. That's the only way things get better. And so are you a diligent servant? Let's take a look at a few of these verses. It's, um, everybody go to Mark 10. Somebody look up Proverbs 27, 23. And someone look up Philippians 2.20. Philippians 2.20, get that one. Okay, everyone go to Mark 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark 10, 44 and 45. All right, Proverbs 27, 23. Listen to this one. Be thou diligent to know the state of the flock, of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. Okay, now in that context, who's it talking about? A shepherd. a shepherd. Okay, so what's the job of a shepherd? To watch sheep. To watch sheep. To take care of them. To guide them. Guide them. To protect them, feed them. them. Why? Like, what was the point of doing all that? What? There's livelihood. There's livelihood, exactly. Because from sheep, you can get money by selling wool. And maybe when a sheep gets old and dies, you can sell the meat, right? So it's a form of... So if you have a shepherd who's unfaithful and he's not diligent to know the state of his flocks, like, 
I mean, he would know them all, and he probably would give them all names. Like, there's Ralph, there's Sally, there's Bill, there's Josefina, there's all these other ones. Jack. Okay. Whoever's picking on Jack tonight. Okay, I'm sorry, Jack. It's just part of your nature. All right. But as you're looking well to the state of the flock, I mean, a good shepherd, they know what's going on with each sheep. They know how things are going. Like for me, part of my job, the reason why my job is called a pastor, is all, this is another term for a shepherd, is that this is kind of like my flock. And for me to be diligent to know the state of my flock. And as I look around the room, I have a pretty good idea where each of you are at spiritually. And how do I know that? Because of your disciplers, because of having personal conversations with you, by observing how you are when you come to church and, how, and the things we talk about, when we get together and the activities and the events that we have, I, get, I can have a good idea. I know pretty much where everybody's at. Now, some people I don't know as well as others. And some people just, you know, they only come sometimes and then they're away and I can only assume certain things. And that's just part of my job, but it's my responsibility. And I'm going to have to give an account to God for that. That's part of my job. So a shepherd is someone who is responsible because their livelihood is at stake. And do you care for the things in your life like that? You should care. Like, whether you really realize it or not, the people in your life are a gift from God, especially like your family and your close friends. And they're a gift from God to you. And God expects you to be diligent to know the state of all those people. And do you care for people like that? Or is there just so much going on in your life that you don't have time to care for anybody else, just you, because your mess is enough? And generally speaking, a good rule of of what the Bible talks about is that when you start to focus on other people, God helps you to take care of your own stuff. When we start looking inward, and we start focusing inward, and you're not looking outward, it just drives us deeper and deeper and deeper. Because there's another proverb, I don't know the exact reference, but it just popped into my mind. The heart of a man is like deep water. And when you go down deep in water, eventually you can go down so deep that you don't know which way is up and down. Anybody scuba dive before? Anybody have done that? Okay, you've done it. You know what I'm talking about? That when you go down, you have to have a compass to know which way is up and down. And you can breathe those bubbles to know which way is up, and then you can go. But you can go down so far that you don't know which way is up, down, and left, and right. So you can search the depths of your heart all you want and try to understand everything there is to understand about you. But the reality is, is that you can't. And if you spend all your time focusing on you and your situation and your problems, you are just going to go down deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. When God wants you to look up and he wants you to look out. Because when you look up to him and out towards other people, it starts to make sense of all the other things that are going on in your life. So, is that you? Be diligent to know the state of life locks. Look at Mark 10, 44 and 45. Jesus says this to his disciples, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. So the one that's the most important is going to be the servant of everybody. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, I love this example because, you know, everybody knows the story about Jesus. And yeah, he came and he was God and he died on the cross for our sins and all that stuff. Okay. But here's the reality behind it. God, like the one who made everything in all of existence, he came down. Like this blows my mind. Every time I think about it, I can't get over it. That the almighty, infinite, eternal, omnipotent, which means all-powerful, all-knowing, the ever-present God who's everywhere all the same time, he made a decision to confine himself into the form of a baby, which anybody ever been around newborn babies before? I remember when my firstborn was born. 
And when I held her, I felt like I was going to break her. Like she's so fragile and so little and so dependent upon me and my wife as the parents in order for her to survive. God, the almighty God, the infinite God chose to become a baby and to be trusted in the hands of human beings. Like I will never get over that. That astounds me. And then you start thinking about that he would grew up and he grew up among people, and even how he was mistreated. And even as an adult and how he was mistreated then, he didn't deserve any of that stuff. Like, why would God become like one of us? Like, if you were God, would you do that? Like, you're so far above and beyond your creation, especially your creation that has been flawed by sin. Would you ever do anything like that? I wouldn't. You know what I'd be tempted to do? Boom, they're all dead. I'm going to start over. Like, that's just, like, why? Why would I mess around with something that's been so defiled? Well, you know why God did? Because he loved you and I. And he chose to become like you and I and walk among us and to live a life that we would live with the similar temptations that all of us will go through in our entire lifetime in order to be with us and to identify with us and to be our savior. Like that is amazing to me that he would do something like that. And so here he says, the son of man came not to be ministered unto. If there's any person that deserved for everyone to serve him, it was Jesus Christ. Like the moment that he showed up, everybody should have done everything for him. And yet it was the exact opposite. He did everything for everybody else. And that's the pattern that we're supposed to follow. So if you want to be chiefest among God's people with the Lord, then you have to learn how to be the servant of all. And if you're going to be the servant of all, that means you need to get to know people and to serve them. Because how can you serve someone that you don't know? You need to get out of yourself and into the lives of other people in order to serve them and to minister unto them. And it takes a lot of selflessness to do that. And that's the only way you can be a diligent servant. Listen to Philippians 2.20. Who read that one? Oh, yeah, that one. Go ahead. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your seed. Okay, this is Paul talking about Timothy. And Paul's going to send Timothy to the Philippians. And he says, I have no man, no man naturally, who will naturally care for your state. And the first thing I think of is I think of a brand new mother towards their child. That's what I think of. Just the natural instinct for a mother to take care of their newborn child. Now, it doesn't always work out that way because of our sinful world that we're in, but it is something built into every human being is to care for their own children and to care for their own. And so I think about that. They naturally care for their state. When we became parents, we had to to sacrifice our own life. We had to. There were nights that I had to stay up in order to help my wife stay up in order for her to feed her kids. So guess what I had to lose out on? Precious sleep. And I love sleeping. But I had to give that up because I love my wife and I love my kids. There's just sacrifices that need to be made to care for people. And see, that's what people are not willing to do. They're not willing to make the necessary sacrifices in their own lives in order to minister to other people. And that's wrong. That's wrong. If you're not willing to sacrifice in your own life to care for others, then you are selfish and self-centered. You are the king of your castle, and it will burn eventually. You've got to repent from that. You've got to reject that. You have to take on the life of Jesus Christ, where he chose to leave everything behind in order to serve other people. You just got to be able to do that. That's what it means to be a diligent servant. If you're willing to be a hard worker, you work because you want to work hard for that person, not necessarily for yourself. If you're faithful, that means you need to give up certain things in your life in order to make sacrifices to be faithful. If you are trustworthy, that means that you have to prove your trust. And that trust is something that is completely conditional upon your behavior towards another person. If you're going to be responsible, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. If you're going to be trustworthy and responsible, like let's say at your job, then you have to do what your boss says. 
Am I wrong? You got to do it. If you're going to be trustworthy, when it comes to your parents' perspective, you have to obey your parents. My kids, that's the way it works with me. How can I trust my kids if they can't do very simple things that I ask them to do? I want to trust them. I want to be able to give them more, but I can't when I don't see it. And that's very difficult for us to swallow because it's the truth, but it is the truth. So I hope you can take it. All right, secondly, am I humble? So what does it mean to be humble? It means to be teachable. That means that you're able to be taught, by the way, in case you need that one defined. You're able to be taught. That means, that means, and this one's a hard one because none of us like this. That means, and I'll just give you an example. Let's say uh, that myself or maybe another youth leader or maybe someone that is discipling you um, comes into your life and says, hey, I'm really concerned about you because I see these, this pattern of decisions that you're making and I just want to know what's going on because I'm really concerned. Okay, you got two options with that type of a situation. What are your options? Riot. <laughs> Flip table, set them on fire. Yes, riot, Jack. Okay, I'm going to pray before I talk to you about anything. <laughs> yes. So you can either have a bad attitude and start rioting, <laughs> or you can take it. You can listen to it knowing, knowing that that person is talking to you because they care about you and they want what's best for you. And maybe, maybe not all of it is right that they're talking to you about, but maybe there's something in there that's actually true that they're seeing that you don't because you have a blind spot and it is something that you need to correct in your life. Just maybe. Because I will tell you, the people that love you the most are the ones that tell you the truth. In love. There are some people that tell you the truth and they just beat the snot out of you in the process. Those people don't love you. And there are some people that love you, but they'll never tell you the truth. They don't love you. The people that love you are the ones that tell you the truth in love because they actually care about who you are as a person. Not about what you can do for them. They just care about you for no reason at all. Like, most of you guys hate to burst this bubble, but most of you guys don't add any benefit to my life. Sorry. You don't. I mean, you just don't. Like, there's nothing that you have to offer to make my life better. And I'm sorry if that sounds pretty harsh. I mean, the only thing that you could really do that would make my life better is that you could be praying for me. But outside of that, I'm older. I'm farther along in my life. You're not going to give me parenting advice, right? You're not going to give me financial advice. You're not going to give me advice about how I need to counsel somebody here at the church, right? I mean, that would be ridiculous. And yet, why do I do this? Exactly. I don't expect anything from you. Like, I don't expect you guys to, to do anything for me or to do anything for my family. I don't. Why would I? I'm here because I care about you. I see what you could become and I want you to get there. And I want to try to do anything and everything that I can to get you there. That's why I'm here. Like, I don't get really anything out of this other than just serving God because he loves you and he's chosen me to do this job towards you. And so you need to look at that way towards other people and start serving other people that way. Are you teachable? Are you able to resolve conflicts biblically? And that's a big one. And I put in biblically for a reason. Resolving conflicts biblically. Resolving conflicts biblically is very difficult. Very difficult. Let's take a look at Romans. Romans 12. Take a look at this verse. Romans 12. 
Romans 12. All right, how many of you right now have a conflict with another person in your life right now? Okay, okay, so that's a lot of us in this room. Okay, so based on that alone, this verse, God wrote it in his word for you, for you. Romans 12 and verse 18. And we could actually do a lot more than this one. I mean, let's start off in 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And then here's our verse. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That is not an easy verse to live out. That is not an easy verse to live out. If it be possible... As much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. So in your conflict that you have right now with this person or these people or whoever it might be, have you done absolutely everything in your power to make it right with them? Absolutely everything in your power, even to the point where you end up just taking the wrong and you suck it up. Have you done everything in your power to live peaceably with all men? Because there's some people, like that's why it says at the beginning, if it be possible. There are some people that will never reconcile with you. When you have a fight, it's got to be a two-way street. In order to reconcile, you have to have a two-way street. It has to be reciprocal. I have been in situations where I have been willing to do anything in my power to reconcile But at the end of the day, that person did not want to meet with me. And they refused, and they refused, and they refused. And there was nothing else that I could really do. That was it, and it was over. But did I do everything in my power? Because that's what it means to be humble. That's what it means to be teachable. And are you considerate of other people? Do you think about other people more than yourself? And that's not our natural bent. That's not our inclination. That's not what we typically do by nature. We typically think about self first. But the Bible lays it out very clear that Jesus Christ, he thought of others before himself. So are you humble? That's what it means to be humble. All right, let's look at the next one. Am I honest? Am I an honest person? Go to Acts 24. Acts 24. A little bit to your left. Acts chapter 24. Are you honest? So if you're an honest person, this means that you are not a hypocrite. That you don't say one thing and then do another. You don't say one thing one day and then you change and you say something different the next. That you don't do one thing one day and then you turn around and change your mind and you do something different the next. You are not a hypocrite. You are very consistent. You are a person of your word. Are you honest? And you're not double-minded. Give me a good definition of being double-minded. What does it mean to be double-minded? Or give me an example of what it means to be double-minded. Jack? I'm thinking we might have to have an intervention for you, Jack. (laughs) Rioting, heroin. Okay. Yes, I know what you mean. Okay. Yes, the premise is the same. Jack takes to the extreme, but the premise is the same. Go ahead, Noah. It's kind of like you just have different. It's almost like you're how you're different at all, different school, different church. You just have different fronts, and that's why, like, 
Usually if you're like really double-minded, like you're kind of paranoid because at any time you're double-minded, this can just unravel. Yeah. Yeah, people that are double-minded end up lying. That's what they end up doing. Because they act one way here, and they act something completely different here. And, and this is part of just growing up, and, and I get how it works because I did the exact same thing. But oftentimes we let our guard down about who we actually are at home. And then you go to school and you're around your friends and you behave a certain way there. And then sometimes even you act a different way when you're at church. Because, well, I'm at church, so I've got to act all churchy. No, it's like, did you realize that the Bible says that God is like everywhere all at the same time? And so he sees you at home. He sees you at school. He sees you at church. And so he sees your hypocrisy. He sees your double mindedness. Like he sees everything. There's nothing that's hidden in the sight of God. And so he sees how you are in every place. A person that is mature, a person that is honest, a person that is walking with God and they grow in their relationship with God. Eventually over time, they become a, a person of great character that who they are here is who they are here is who they are here is who they are everywhere. They're not double-minded. They're single-minded. Who they are is who they are everywhere. It's hard to have a relationship with another person when you're double-minded and you're double-minded about other things. Look at Acts 24 and verse 16. This was Paul's testimony, and this is what it really means to be single-minded. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now he says this is something that he has to exercise. So it takes work in order to do this, but to have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. So there are things that you might do where you might offend other people, or there's things that you might do where you would offend God and who he is in his nature. Well, then you've done everything in your power to reconcile with men and to reconcile with God, to have a conscience void of offense. It doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. Of course, you're going to make mistakes. The real question is, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to deal with that mistake? Because we all make mistakes. And there's some people that would rather just ignore the mistake and move on and say, well, that's just who I am. Well, that's their problem. Well, that's... Meanwhile, on the inside, their conscience is seared because they made a bad decision. When they need to go back to God, they need to go back to that person. They need to just be humble and to make it right. That's what they need to do. Accept responsibility. A lot of people do not want to accept responsibility for their faults. They're very quick to point the finger to other people in other circumstances when in reality, you and I are responsible for our own decisions. I don't care about your environment. I don't care how you were raised. I don't care what your home's like. I don't care about your circumstance. You are responsible for your decisions. And so am I. There's no excuse. There is never an excuse to make a wrong decision. Like ever. Like, it is never okay to be unbiblical. It's never okay to sin. It's never okay to do what's wrong, ever. But it is always okay to do what's right. Always. And I bet, and I'm just willing to bet, that the people that you look up to the most are the people that are honest. The people that actually accept responsibility when they make mistakes. The people that make things right when they offend you. And yet we have a tendency to have a hard time doing that towards other people. All right, and then lastly... So if you are diligent, if you are humble, if you are honest, then the last point here before our final point is, am I able to lead others spiritually and emotionally? And the only way that you can lead others spiritually and emotionally is because you are following God's lead spiritually and emotionally. You can only take someone, like let's say you go hiking. If you're going to lead the hike, you probably should have gone down the path already. Otherwise, you're going to get people lost and they might die 
take the extreme of the Jack extreme. They might just die. They might fall off a cliff and just die. In a burning car filled with heroin and <laughs> while they're rioting. Okay. So you need to go there yourself before you can lead other people. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians. A little bit to your right, past Romans. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In verse 1. So Paul says to the church in Corinth, he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So see, this is how it's supposed to work. Like the only way that you could even trust my opinion and to trust even the example that I give you in my own life is if I am actually following the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't do the perfect job at it. I don't do, I make mistakes and I, and there are some things where I'm like, oh, I just really stink at that in my walk with God. And God convicts me of those things daily about it. And sometimes I'm more responsive than others. But the only way that you can trust my testimony and follow my lead is if I am following Jesus Christ. The day that I stop, you should not be following me because that's discipleship. So you should be only following others that are following Jesus Christ. And so could you, and this is just a question to ask, could you turn around to other people in your life and look at them and say, with a clear conscience, follow me as I follow Christ? Now, I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying you got everything together, because none of us do. But when you're willing to be humble, when you're willing to be honest, when you're willing to be that diligent hard worker that you're supposed to be by God's design, and you follow Jesus Christ, no matter how young you are in your faith with the Lord... You can turn around and tell people, hey, listen, I don't know much, but I am trying to follow him. And this is what I've learned so far. Because everybody can do that. Everybody can. There's not a single one of us that can't do that. And so are you able to turn around and say, hey, you know what? Follow me because I've made some of those mistakes myself. And this is what I've learned along the way. So are you able to lead other people spiritually and emotionally? And then lastly, based on all those questions, those four questions, Am I attracted to someone that is a diligent servant, someone who's humble, someone who's honest, and someone who is able to lead others? And so this may sound like a tall order for you. And, and, and so one of the things that I want you to understand is that I'm not, I'm not putting this in front of you as kind of like, okay, well, if I don't have all this together, then I can't date. No, 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 no. I'm presenting you with these questions for you to think, to think about where you are personally, to think about where you are in your walk with God. Because some of you should not be dating or even thinking about dating because you know, you know, between you and God, you've got some major things that you need to deal with first between you and him. That's what you need to focus on. Because just like when it comes to being a parent, I was never fully ready to be a parent. I was never. But you know what? I was ready in the sense that, God, I'm leaning on you with this one because I don't know how in the world I'm going to do this. I was never really at that point where I was ready to get married. Like, there's a certain point where I'm like, okay. But even just thinking about before God, I'm responsible now for my wife. And I have, I have my own family to take care of and protect and to provide for. That's a huge responsibility. You're never really ready for something like that. However, your attitude and your heart preparation can be. And so this is not something to say, well, it sounds like that he's just, you know, you got to be perfect before you can date. No. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if you've not done any of this stuff, if you're not pursuing any of these things, 
then what are you doing even thinking about dating? Like, if you can't be someone who uh, someone else can look at, anybody, as being trustworthy, someone that they can lean on, then why, why would you ever get in a relationship with another person? If you don't have a consistent walk with God that you're praying with Him and you're talking with Him about major life decisions, then why would you subject somebody else in your life to something like that too? Because they're tied to you. Once you get into a dating relationship, that emotional investment, you guys are now tied together. And now the decisions that you make affect that other person. And the decisions this person makes now affects this person. And you, it, it, just, it just is that way. Like You can't separate that because now you're tied to this other person. And so if you can't walk with God and God is with you, and this person isn't walking with God and God is with them, then what hope do they have together to actually move forward together in their walk with God? So like I said, I'm not talking about being perfect, but you need to think, you need to prepare, you need to be thoughtful about something like this. Dating is not just something that you wake up one day and you're like, hmm, you know what? I'm just going to date somebody today. I guess not. Like that's not something you do because this leads you down the path of whoever you date could be your husband, could be your wife one day. Like, how do you know? So you better make sure that your ducks are in a row and you're walking with God before you start pursuing that other person. And not just for your sake, but for their sake too. It is unbelievably selfish for a person to get into a relationship with another human being when they themselves are not right with God. Because now they're subjecting that other person to them and their lack of faith to walk with God themselves. So these are just some things you guys need to think about. I'm not saying you should do this or you should do that because every person's situation is different. If you want individual counsel and stuff like that, I'd be happy to give you my opinion based upon those circumstances. But these are just some things that God has taught me along the way that I wish, honestly, I wish with all my heart that when I was your age, that my youth pastors that I had at that time would have actually talked to me about this kind of stuff. Because maybe I wouldn't have made some of the mistakes that I made. And I would have been more thoughtful. Maybe I would have made the same mistakes. I don't know. But at least we have an opportunity to talk about these things openly now. So I hope these things are beneficial to you. All right. Any questions? Any comments? Any thoughts? Okay. All right. Well, then someone pray and close this out, please. Go ahead, Noah. Dear Holy Father, I just want to thank you to say, Lord, and uh, just um, think that we're able to come here and just uh, learn about you and just learn about practical ways that you influence our lives every day, Lord. Just so I know that it's something that a lot in high school these days, dating, people fly through people that they're dating left and right, Lord. It's just something that is often looked over, but it is something that is also very serious in our everyday lives, Lord. So I ask yourself, all of us, each individual in here that... Um, if you're dating, if we're dating, or if we're looking for somebody to date, or thinking about dating, Lord, that they would just closely examine their heart, Lord, and you know, just be soft and open to you, and open to what you have to say to them, Lord. And I just ask this up for us, and well. Amen. Amen.